Playmakers, everyone. I'm your host, Haley Elwood. It is week six, and the Los Angeles Chargers will host the Denver Broncos at home on Monday Night Football. Joining me to talk about this one, I'm so excited to have her on, is ESPN NFL analyst and senior writer, Mina Kimes. Mina, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really glad you're on, considering our content team quite literally buried you in the schedule release video. So thanks for not holding that uh, against us, no, if you will. I'll get my revenge on your 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 very, um, I would say, talented, maybe the most talented in the NFL content team at some point. There we go. All right. A little backhanded action there. Okay, let's get into this Monday night game. Chargers are three and two, Denver two and three. Weird things happen when the AFC West meets in prime time. We saw it this past week between the Raiders and the Chiefs. What are your overall thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, well, um, I think the Broncos have been one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL. I think their own fans would agree uh, on offense, and I certainly um, it's going to be an issue in this game. Looking to get that offense going with Russell Wilson, that's struggled at times in ways that I don't think anyone anticipated going into this season, but it doesn't make it easy for LA because the Broncos defense, I would say in the other direction has outperformed expectations, um, shares some DNA scheme wise with Brandon Staley and his defense. And, uh, they've been excellent against the past. They've got some really, really talented players in that secondary. So uh, this is not a gimme for LA. Yeah, no, you make great points. So as of taping time in terms of the chargers offense, we don't know the status of Keenan Allen quite yet. They've been able to run the ball pretty effectively over these last couple weeks. But when you look at that unit as a whole, what do you make of it right now? Well, I think the offense has been pretty outstanding considering the injuries they've had to overcome. You mentioned Keenan Allen not playing. By the way, he's on my main fantasy team. So that's one that I check around uh, around the clock constantly, too. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, the, I would say the loss of Rashawn Slater early in the season, you know, I, I thought would be really devastating for that unit. And I think um, the Chargers offensive line has really risen to the occasion. Uh, Jamari Salyer, you guys drafted out of Georgia, Georgia has looked really solid the last two games, and that's really promising because, to me, that would have been the single biggest thing that could have held this team back from its not just playoff but Super Bowl aspirations. And if he continues to develop the way he's played so far, um, I think you know that bodes well for this offense given how good and how efficient they've looked despite some pretty brutal injuries. So flipping to the Chargers' defense, huge talk of the offseason with the trade for Cleo Mack, bringing in different players, J.C. Jackson, statistically sort of middle of the road right now, defending the run. Brandon Staley said as a whole, they're sort of a work in progress. There's, there's been good, there's been not some not so good. But in terms of that group, how do they maybe kind of find their way as they now and kind of move forward into the second quarter of the season? Yeah, you know, another... Another example of a, a unit that's had to overcome pretty significant injuries, obviously, sorry to say, it tends to be a theme with this team year to year. Um, but, you know, I would say, I, I think I tweeted this actually after that game, you guys lost both Slater and Bosa. You really couldn't pick two worse players to lose just for a variety of reasons. Obviously, Joey has a chance to come back later in the season. And I think that's uh, been what's made things challenging for them. Um, you know, Khalil Mack has been everything you would hope for and more, both uh, as a pass rusher and defending the run, which has always been a really cool and underrated part of his game. But needing a secondary edge rusher to step up uh, in Boas's absence, I think is going to be ultimately what decides whether this group can outperform 
sort of the expectations placed on them or obviously not before the season, but right now. Um, and then in the back end, you know, I, I, again, some injuries, guys have been in and out of the lineup, kind of figuring things out, it looks like in terms of the safety and rotation and just the corners in general. Um, you'd like to see JC Jackson kind of come over with the football the way he has in the past. Uh, but I, you know, I think things seem to be trending in the right direction. So moving to the Broncos and you touched on it a little bit, but when it comes to their offense, just what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. People ask me that a lot because, um, you know, watching a lot of Seattle football as I do with Russell Wilson, yeah. um, you know, he's struggled a bit this season and I, I will say it's been a little bit puzzling. There's some of the struggles I think kind of reflect things we saw in Seattle the last couple of years, um, terms of, uh, maybe a bit of a decline in mobility on part of the quarterback and um, maybe trying to push the ball downfield when opportunities aren't always there. But I also would say the last few games, I've noticed Wilson has struggled um, with his accuracy on shorter and intermediate throws, including throws like, I don't know, that he would just make routinely. He's always made routinely over the course of his career. And I think that might actually have something to do with the shoulder injury that he's been mm-hmm. battling. Um, so don't know where his status is on that count. But yeah, that's been very limiting for this offense. And then obviously losing Javante Williams um, in the run game is brutal. He looks like one, he looked like one of the more talented and um, explosive violent is the word I always use with him running backs in the NFL, but Melvin Gordon is a pretty capable, is a capable back. And, you know, you shouldn't count the Broncos out in terms of running the football, especially because they, I think will be probably committed to running the football heavily in this game. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think when it comes to someone like Melvin, he's always going to want that revenge game against the That's Chargers. right. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> right. So good point. to the Broncos defense, you also talked about it a little up top. They're good. They're really, really good. And yeah. Justin Simmons could be back for this game. They could even get some more pieces back. You mentioned defensive coordinator Ejero Averro. He's had relationships with Brandon Staley. They were on the Rams together just a couple of years ago. Joe Lombardi called that offense. He said there's a lot of variation when it comes to that offense, but, or I'm sorry, defense, excuse me. But what makes that defense so dynamic? Well, you know, I, I start by saying beyond the scheme, they have really, really talented players at every level. Um, starts up front, you know, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, the combination of those two pass rushers, but there's really good depth behind them. Um, some of the younger edge rushers that they're bringing up have been talented and disruptive as well. And then in the back end, you know, you mentioned Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan looks to me to be one of the best cornerbacks in football, um, can really do it all man zone, but he's just so, he's so disruptive making plays on the ball. His technique is so refined and he rarely makes mistakes. And he is sort of the star or that, you know, grounds that unit. Um, they're, I think going to play, um, pretty similar to how they have so far this season, trying to keep everything in front of them, limit explosives down the field. You probably see a lot of split safety looks to that end. Uh, but they will see those light boxes uh, that um, that style of defense tends to do. And I think that's something that uh, the Chargers can build upon. You know, obviously, having gotten Austin Eckler going recently in the last game, that's going to be an opportunity again there in this one. And I think if they can take advantage of that, um, they can keep the chains moving and the offense can be pretty efficient. The AFC West was the division coming into the season that was so hyped. Everyone's talking about it. There's new pieces being added to almost every team in the group. What is the state of it right now? Because in my opinion, it's not exactly living up to the hype that I think everyone sort of thought it might. However, though, look at this back to back primetime games, though, on Monday Night Football. It's true. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think. 
You know, it's really hard to sort of put the Chargers in like an underwhelming or I guess evaluate them relative to preseason expectations because of all of the injuries and not just injuries, but injuries to some of the most important players on your football team. So, you know, I can't really look at them and say that they've been disappointing because I think, um, you know, that just the level of adversity has been pretty unreal. Um, but yeah, as far as the rest of the division goes, um, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, I thought this would be not, not, not just a dominant division, but one where, um, every offense would be dominant. I mean, looked like had just one, two, three, four at quarterback, a level of talent we really rarely see in the league. But, um, you know, we're reminded so often that football is unpredictable. Um, a team like the Raiders that, you know, adds Devontae Adams, one of the best skill players in the NFL, uh, and was so fortunate in one-score games last year. Well, that luck tends to turn. Probably should have seen that coming, and it has thus far this season. Uh, and then in Denver, yeah, some unforeseen ad, uh, issues, I would say, with that offense, as well as um, some game management problems um, that have also plagued that team. So before we get you out of here, I just want to finish on a couple questions about Justin Herbert because you were up in Oregon last year at the golf tournament. You wrote the really great feature on him and just kind of wanting to talk to you about that. What did you maybe learn about him that was most surprising from talking to him and then those closest to him as well? <laughs> um, surprising, I would say, um, you know, I think I tried to kind of convey this. Uh, Justin, again, based on my sort of limited interactions with him is very, very uh, down to earth. And uh, I would say not someone who uh, enjoys the spotlight. <laughs> I guess that's not that surprising. Uh, but I, I, you know, I spent a lot of, I've written a lot of profiles of quarterbacks and NFL players, and they're not always, um, you know, I've met guys who don't like the spotlight or guys who like don't really, um, indulge in like luxurious things. And I would, th I would say he takes it to a level that I have not seen in the NFL before in terms of being a bit of a home buddy and, um, sort of, uh, having simple, uh, liking the simple pleasures in life, I guess. Yeah, it's very much uh, football oriented, but like you mentioned, I think, you know, everyone obviously picked up on the shopping cart anecdote in that, which was, oh. he's got to put them away. Um, but it's, he is such a, just kind of a fascinating person to have gotten to know over the last couple of years. And in speaking to your NFL live teammate, Laura Rutledge last year, she had told me she felt like so many people herself included were wrong about him and that transition that he would make to the NFL. Why do you think that was the case? Yeah. Um, just from a football perspective, um, you know, I actually told him to his face that I underestimated him, um, cause I do a lot of draft coverage at NFL. What was his reaction? At a uh, that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was just speaking for me personally, you know, uh, I, w I was never really the person out, uh, the off the field, I, who he was off the field, it's not, never something that kind of entered into my mind trying to evaluate how he would be in the NFL, but watching him at Oregon, um, I was, I, I didn't see the quarterback that we see today. And um, some of that is probably just my own inability to evaluate tools in a vacuum, but I would say also the nature of that offense um, I thought was pretty limiting as well as some of the players around him. And that can, what, that's what can make it really hard to evaluate a college quarterback sometimes, um, you know, because they're asked to do very different things and given different opportunities. And you're comparing a guy in like 
I don't know, Alabama to guide Oregon. Sometimes you're trying to weigh all of these things into consideration. And then the other thing I think that you can never um, anticipate, and this is true of, I don't know, a player like Josh Allen, for example, is their own will to improve and um, sort of work ethic and desire. And obviously Herbert has all of those things in gross. Yeah, I remember talking to Molly McGrath after the draft, and she covered a lot of his games at Oregon, had mentioned how he was going to take that playbook in the NFL and study it like the textbooks that he would study at Oregon. And that that yeah, work I believe ethic, that. Yeah, that, that he would apply to his classes. He would apply the same on the football field, and I think you've seen it. I mean, obviously, he's done things that no other quarterback has done through their first two years in, his, in, a, in the NFL, but for you – Personally, what's maybe the most impressive thing about his short career in the league thus far? You know, um, obviously his physical tools are incredible. Um, he makes throws that, well, we are kind of like in a golden age of freaky throws. But um, I used to do a segment on SportsCenter last season called Kimes Dimes, where I would just pick the craziest throws every weekend. And it was really hard for me not to pick Justin Herbert throws every week because every week he would just do something insane. And then, I, you know, watching him, I can't wait to get the end zone view the next day when we get our all 22 because I, it, it, it just looks insane. But to me, what's been most impressive about him and probably um, I would say the biggest reason behind his success so far is his consistency. He doesn't really have bad games. And, you know, we talk about some of the other superstars in the NFL and guys who are in the MVP consideration and as wonderful as they are, you know, um, I can point to each of them and sort of point to, you know, down performances, multi-interception games, things like that. And I would say Herbert, um, his floor is so high as a quarterback. And then the other thing is um, what was really blown me away is his processing. Um, you know, I mean, the guy's like a machine going one, two, three, like it, it's so quickly going through his progressions. It, it, again, just blows my mind again when I get a chance to see that end zone view. Sometimes, you know, in a game, um, sometimes people like to bemoan the fact that um, he doesn't push the ball downfield more in the offense be, just because, we, you know, we want to see the fireworks. But you know, never underestimate everything that goes into sometimes an eight-yard completion on his part and um, how much of that is, I, I would say, attributable to what's going on in his head. Yeah, that's a great point when you kind of lay it out like that. And then finally, Mina, circling back to the Monday night game, what do you think could be a deciding factor in terms of how this one plays out? You know, I think um, I would say... Broncos offense has obviously been struggling to get back on track. Um, and as long as LA doesn't allow for certain explosives that we've seen at times from Russell Wilson, kind of keep things in front of them. Um, they, I, I just don't foresee them having too much trouble limiting them on that side of the football. Uh, and then as far as the, you know, I would say strength on strength matchup in terms of the chargers offense versus the Broncos defense, um, you want to see, if you're a Chargers fan, um, continued solid play from this offensive line because that, if you're you know, on the Broncos side of things, their best chance of winning this game is just being disruptive up front, forcing some turnovers, forcing negative plays um, because of finding mismatches on that side of the football. So I suspect it will be one where Justin gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. Um, and as I said, I think the Chargers will have success running the ball too. Well, we hope that's certainly the case. Mina, thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to this matchup on Monday. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me.